It also, <laughs> towards the end, it starts to end. And then it's like this huge crescendo. Whoa. It's like just building, building. And it's like, ah. And then he just says what he just said prior to it. Get out of my dream. And it just keeps going. That's a great. That. Why don't we do an episode of that song right now? Or we can do this uh, this one. Which Let's do this one. Do. Are you... Let's do All this right. one first since I'm not prepared for the other one. Okay. Would you? Yeah, I'm pretty prepared for the other one, but yeah, we'll do this. Okay. Good point. I'll just let me find the right notes then, because all I have open right now is my ocean. It's called Ocean Sides. S i d e s is the name of this file. It's like little little nuggets of information about Billy Ocean. I can just throw in a conversation. Ocean Sides. That's good to have. Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Popcast, the show where we try to understand the present while living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. And I am Bob Canning. And Tim... And I am saying this with... Yes, Bob. I was going to... No, I was going to say how, how you feeling there. I know you, you probably pushed your way through that opening. I did. I have a damaged tooth. Yeah. I have uh, some uh, some wonderful to talk about on the air, tooth decay, and I need to get it looked at. Um, not right now, but I'm only mentioning it because yeah, it's 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 throwing me. But there's some words I'm 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 talking around an exposed nerve, people, and so um, finding some of the words might sound a little different than they should. Um, it'd be a horrible Phil Collins episode if we were going to be talking about studio. Don't try it. Yeah, so I'm glad we're not. Okay. Glad we're not doing that. But yeah, I'm in a little bit of pain. But it's whining to do that. It's whining to have <laughs> chosen to record something for the people who listen and, and then to say that. So instead, what I will say is, how about that new theme song? Maybe? I, we, we're not really hearing it right now, but I think... I think it just played over that part. You heard it earlier I've, today, I've right? I've heard the theme song. I've, I'm curious to see if everyone else is okay with it. Because I'm okay with it. It started out, I thought it was... Uh, like legally? Like legally okay with it? Because it's 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 from the Creative Commons website, so I think it's okay to use it. It should be. It should be. It, uh, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is great. It's got a, uh, a Huey Lewis feel. It's got a very 80s feel. Really? Yeah, right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, this is Huey-like. And then it kind of moved away from Huey and became... More just tech eighties kind of coolness. It's a chip tune. It's like a Nintendo yeah. cartridge. Chip tune. I hate that phrase, but I like that music. And it's by insert name. We forgot to write it down here. And it's also in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> the musician who uh, who performs it. God, that's well, awful. We'll think of it. It'll be in the show notes. But we'll yeah. talk about them next episode as well. Yeah, we will. That's, <laughs> that's what, what we'll do. We'll that's write what down we'll the do. name and everyone, and read everyone it. listening right now will recall that we mentioned we would talk about him. So when we do, they'll be like, "That's right. They they said they would talk about this guy." And they won't realize that when we're not talking about him, they won't they won't remember that they forgot that we were going to talk about them. No, I hope no. not. And if you're wondering who we're talking about, so am I. Uh, <laughs> check out those show notes, right? Every episode's got some show notes. Top of the show here, I'll tell you that right now. If you're already tired of this, at least go online and check out 20popcast.com. Maybe click on that website, check out the show notes for this episode, past episodes, blah, 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 the things we normally say. Whew. Maybe over-talking is not the thing Maybe to do not. right Maybe now not. with this mouth. Uh, today on the show, 
Yeah, 92 is what I want to say, but I think it's 93. Uh, we're going to be talking today uh, about a, a compact disc, a CD, uh, that was kind of impactive to me in the early 90s. I don't know your stance on it, to be honest, but I guess we're going to find out. Uh, today we're talking about Dennis Leary's No Cure for Cancer compact disc. And when I say I want to say it came out in 1993, I can tell you it did, because I got it written right <laughs> here. Uh, January 12th. 1993 is when that came out, which means it was the January before the fall where I, I went to Emerson College. By senior year, I was being pressured into the idea of college. Everyone kind of assumed Tim Blevins is going to go to college. His brother went there. His parents went there. He's going to go to college. What college are you going to go to? And I, I, I didn't know. I didn't have the motivation to go to college. I think we've talked before. I wanted to get out, mm-hmm. but I don't think I necessarily knew that college was where I was headed. Were you being primed for college when you were in high school? Was that something people were, were pointing you towards and pushing you towards? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think I just assumed that that's what the next step was supposed to be. I don't feel like I was pressured or, or didn't know. I just, for me, it was like, that's next. So hmm. um, definitely, definitely pressured. Definitely um, was, you know, I, I did some things to aid in the uh, college acceptance uh, possibilities. For instance, I ran for and won my junior year um, school uh, class president, um, but did it like solely with college in mind, so I could have that on my my application. Um, and and did a couple other things uh, that junior year because it seems like senior year once you're once you've applied, you've applied like in the fall sometimes or, or the winter. So senior year, whatever you do senior year doesn't seem to matter. So I was like, that's the one thing I remember I was doing as much as I could junior year so I could put it all on, on app college application. So junior year, if that's when you're um, applying to schools, I, I'm mentioning this because Emerson College, the college that you went to, that I went to, both of us went to, that's where we met. And so whatever, you know, we've talked a little bit about getting there. I don't know if you've ever talked about why we went there. But it's an important event that we did go there because that is where we met. We wouldn't have otherwise. And I think who knows where the lives would have gone, blah, blah, blah. I like the movie Sliding Doors, whatever. <laughs> but we got there. And, and the reason I'm saying that is I, um, I'm trying to place when I was really aware of Dennis Leary because the main reason I went to Emerson College, the, the main reason I applied there, wound up applying there, was because of Dennis Leary, the, the the comedian, he um, I, he went to Emerson, I guess, in the seventies. I think he even taught there in the eighties. He's from the Boston area, Boston comics. So when he was starting to to get big, when he was becoming a bigger comic, and so this must have been before the album actually came out. He must have been known. There was an article in Time Magazine just about him, and there's an amazing teacher that I had, this English teacher named Mister Kylie, who. I had him in 10th and 11th grade for different classes, and he was one of those people who was really pushing for me to go to college with, I think, the focus on writing. I think you're going to be a playwright was the idea back then mm. because that's profitable in a small town of Connecticut. So I remember him showing me this article from Time saying, here's that comedian that you like, Dennis Leary. He went to Emerson College, and he gave me the article to read as a way of saying, look at the kind of people who go to Emerson College. And I... I and, and remember so that's always been in my head that I went to Emerson because of Dennis Leary, but it's kind of like I don't know why he gave me that article <laughs> because I mean I loved stand up comedy, I loved stand up comics, but I mean my favorite was like Richard Lewis, you know, and I liked Stephen Wright, I liked Dennis Miller, I liked Ellen DeGeneres, you know, those 
those were my favorites, but I knew Dennis Leary because, yeah, like I was saying, I knew him from like Comedy Central. I knew his MTV commercials. He used to have these ads on MTV where he would just be walking around ranting with a cigarette in his hand, telling you about the world, you know, telling you what he wants, what he's going to do and what, you know, what he's going to tell you and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how I was introduced to him. So you knew him before this album. Yeah, I knew of him before the album. Yes. Was he an Um, influence? Was he someone you liked? No, he really wasn't someone I knew too much about. I just knew that he was a stand-up comedian. I don't know that I had seen his bits beyond the MTV stuff. Um, I I got that he was, you know, an edgier kind of comic. Was he? He is, right? Or he was. I mean, that's the persona that that they were trying to push, that he was trying to push, I guess. I mean, um, Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk about the album soon. Yeah. It's one of these episodes we will. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh it's pretty he's trying to be uh i i guess edgy yeah i mean that's a <laughs> kind so. way to put it <clears throat> i think you um, could say he was edgy i i think i liked that i don't think i knew other comics like that and i think there were a lot i don't think they were doing necessarily doing the tv specials i had so you know i thank comedy central for having him there but i think what you're saying is correct i think he was edgy to me he was dangerous you know to there me he is. was what there it is. Yes, dangerous. That's that's the better way to explain it. He was he was not your mama's comic. No, right? He was angry, which wasn't an emotion I saw that often in stand-up comedy. I like the idea of rants. You know, I, I think I would see like John Belushi do rants on the Saturday Night Live reruns. I like the idea of rambling dialogue and you know going on and on like 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 Richard Lewis would do. I liked those things. So to see the scary cigarette-holding persona. You know, that was basically that spewing it in, in this in this very high energy, high octane attack. Yeah, I guess that was attractive to me. So when his album came out, this album called No Cure for Cancer, which um, is an album of his, his one man show that I think he started at a fringe festival in England and then he brought it to New York. Yeah, I, I rushed out and got it on, actually on cassette. I know we're saying, we're talking about a CD. I had it on cassette, but it, titles are titles. But yeah, I, I got that. And I, I got it before I went to college. So I got it because I guess I was a fan. Hmm. And did you have a lot of comedy albums growing up? Is that something you owned? No, no, I didn't have uh, a lot. I didn't have any. Do you have, I, do you have any now? I don't have any now. Um, I have some Monty Python albums now. Mm. Um, but I didn't have, I don't have any stand-up albums. And were you a stand-up fan, like I, as a kid? I, you... I was. I considered myself a stand-up fan. I would watch Comedy Central. I would watch Short Attention Span Theater. I would watch the the one-hour Comedy Hour or the half-hour Comedy Hour because one-hour Comedy Hour would be a Comedy Hour. Um, but yeah, I would I would watch all those. I would I would watch specials and stay up and 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 watch stuff. Um, but I didn't own anything. <clears throat> and that's just a matter of, <clears throat> I mean, that's a lot of my pop culture in life. I know I talk about this with music a lot, <clears throat> but I think it really goes with with comedy because I considered myself a comedy fan, but I didn't own any comedy. Just like I was a music fan, but I didn't own any music. Everything you know was slow for me uh, when it came to ownership. And that's one thing I feel I, I've talked about missing out on um, – discovering music when I was younger in, in middle school or high school. But I also regret not really discovering comedy albums oh. uh, at that age. Um, because when I got to college and met the likes of you and uh, Jonah and Brent and and Steve and all these other folks. 
Names that they you're dropping were, oh, that no one knows. No one else knows, but you know. Um, well, they Brent's would, been on the show. So. Brent's been on the show, um, but they would talk about their favorite comedy albums mm-hmm. and their heroes in comedy. And I didn't have that, and I, I, I regret missing out on that kind of thing because I think – uh, I think having that experience when you're younger, when it means more, it'll affect you more. Uh, mm-hmm. is something I uh, that I uh, I'm jealous of uh, for those of you that had that experience. I I mean I think you're right. Was there a comedian that was like your favorite comedian? Like when we got to college, I don't remember. Yeah, was and it I, Jeff and Dunham? Him. Were you a big fan of Jeff <laughs> Jeff uh, Dunham? I actually probably enjoyed Jeff Dunham at the oh, time. Oh God. Again, but just on record, I did not my, enjoy my favorite. Jeff and you've mentioned him, and and you were kind of going on this track about college and comedians. My favorite was Stephen Wright. Oh, it was absolutely. I mean, I That's didn't awesome. own any of his albums, I, but I've seen his specials. So I've seen his bits. I've seen you know that's that was how I became a fan of Stephen Wright. Is just seeing you know clips here and there. Um, so, yeah, like huge, on TV, then you were seeing huge him. fan of Stephen Wright. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and kind of like what you were saying, your, your teacher gave you, uh, this article and said, Hey, this is a comedian that that went to Emerson college. That was a huge factor in me deciding to go to Emerson college is seeing that, that Stephen Wright went there. Oh, I didn't know that. That, that he went there or that it was a factor. No, that, that, that was impacted you. Yeah, no, huge um, that Stephen Wright went there. And I knew that Dennis Leary went there, and I knew Dennis Leary as a stand-up comedian. And to lesser extents, Anthony Clark uh, was a comedian <laughs> that I was aware of at the time. Oh, okay. And, I didn't know uh, him until we were Jay in Leno. college. Um, and, uh, so, and so for me, it's like uh, this is some weird kind of mecca of – comedians and and maybe if i were to research other colleges maybe there are more comedians that went to another college <laughs> only three but, ever got to college and they but were this all is Emerson. this is the one that uh that stood out for me and and also i was just dying to live in boston okay so that part i get that but to go to the other side of it because i didn't know that we shared that that one of the reasons we applied to a, a pricey college that we had the you know, somehow get money for was because comedians went there. Like, what yeah. were you expecting? Like, what was the filter? It's like, well, if a comedian went there, I got to go there. What What is that connection? I think what I was expecting was <clears throat> he, he, Stephen Wright, Dennis Leary, other comedians went to this college, had this experience. Their life was filtered through these halls. Um, I would like to be as funny as they are. I would like to have that similar experience. If if they had this class, I want that class. If if they hung out here, I want to hang out here. Um, and, and it doesn't make sense, but that's sort of like the, the 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 thought that I had, the thought process I had as a as a dumb kid. It's like, well, if I just follow in their footsteps, then I'm going to possibly turn out somewhat close to how they turned out. Um, but did at you the time, want to be a stand up comedian? I didn't know that I want. I didn't necessarily want to be a stand up comedian. But I wanted to be a performer. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be funny. I wanted to make people laugh. Um, and I heard, uh, combined with the the stand-ups that I knew of having gone to Emerson College, um, I also saw in their pamphlets and brochures that they had uh, sketch comedy troops. And so mm-hmm. – and again – so does every other college, but this was the pamphlet I had in. This was the pamphlet I had in front of me, and college was all new and crazy. And I had other pamphlets, and they weren't mentioning their sketch comedy troops. And so I was totally leaning to to Emerson for all of those reasons. 
It's crazy. No, it was the magnet that got me there. And like, like you're saying, I don't know if I necessarily wanted to be a comedian. Like, I don't think I went there for a job. That's the thing. Like, I don't think mm. as a kid I was writing and I wrote plays because before digital stuff, before you could really edit a movie on a computer and stuff at home, the only way I could see the dialogue I wrote come alive was plays on a stage because you can set up a stage. So I thought, okay, I guess I'll, I'll be a playwright. But I also wanted to write comic books. I also wanted to, yeah, perform somehow. I didn't look at these things as jobs. I wasn't thinking like, well, I'll get a degree that'll get me a job. I think I just thought, well, this is the venue. It sounds like you're saying a similar thing. I hope I'm not twisting your words just to fit this, but it was was like, it's like a stage, you know, or something. So it's just like, this is what this person who who is a comedian. I don't think I ever thought that was their job. I just thought they were comedians. I don't think I ever thought they'd get paid for this. They were just, they were comedians and that's what they were. And there was something magical to that thought because they were voices that were doing something. Stephen Wright was a genius. Did you ever get to see him perform live? Um, I never got to see him perform live, no, but I got him a Coke once. You you got to walk with him once, that's didn't right. you? Am I that's right. That's right. Do you want to tell that story before we get into this? Because sure. that's... That's a weird uh, Goodwill hunting us kind of well, thing. I, mean, I don't know. It just goes to show that I I don't know what to do around a celebrity, especially one that I adore. <clears throat> um, well, a decade earlier, offering them Coke was probably the right thing to maybe, do. The right maybe. way to go. But uh, yeah, so Dennis Leary, Stephen Wright, Anthony Clark. I think those were the only three. <clears throat> there might have been somebody else, but they were doing a special in Boston, and they were filming something. To, to fill, you know, in and out from the special at Emerson um, on Beacon Street. So the crowd was forming around them and I wanted to see them as well. And, and maybe they were doing bits or something. I don't know. So I go over and I'm, I'm trying to check it out. And it's the crowd's too big. So I sort of just step back away from the crowd. And I just sort of realize as I step back away from the crowd that's around Dennis Leary, I'm standing next to Stephen Wright, who nobody is surrounding. That was just, I just went white because I absolutely love the guy hilarious man and he just looked so downtrodden and just didn't want to be there so i say you know something to the effect of oh my god hey hi i'm I'm a huge fan and he's like thank thank you very much um and then the crowd starts walking towards (laughs) a little too much pep in your impression but okay (laughs) um this crowd the, the group starts walking uh away from where they are towards the public garden so i walk with them and again, most of the people are following Dennis Leary. The cameras are on Dennis Leary. I end up kind of didn't intend to, but I basically end up walking next to Stephen Wright for like three blocks, not saying anything. And he's not saying anything. And the two of us just are walking together like we're like old buddies and we don't have to speak. We can just enjoy our moments together. And we finally stop. We end up stopping in front of the student union. And he finally turns to me and he says, hey, do you know where somebody can get a Coke around here? And I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I know exactly where I can get a Coke. I'm just going to run in here. I can I can get it for you. Don't worry, man. It's in here. I'm going to go get a Coke. So, so I run in. I, I ask for change. I grab some money. I don't know what I do. I run upstairs because I think the vending machine is on the fourth floor. So I have to run up to the fourth floor, <laughs> get the Coca-Cola, run down. He's not there anymore, right? Of course. They had moved on into the public garden. And you might remember the, the, the layout that I'm kind of referring to. So across from the student union, they're now at the public garden. So I see, I can see the crowd from across the street. So I book it across the street. Cause I've got Stephen Wright's Coke. 
<laughs> he needs and it. And I run across the street and I cut through the crowd. I'm trying to get, and I kind of finally catch up to him. It probably is 10 minutes after he asked where he could get a Coke. <laughs> and I get there and I'm like, hey, hey, man, here's, here's your Coke. He's like, thanks, man. So I get the Coke. He drinks the Coke. We continue walking next to each other, not speaking. And then they finally are filming something on the bridge there over the pond in the garden. And so they're starting to clear out the group. So I'm like, hey, it was, it was great uh, great meeting you, I say to Stephen Wright. And at that moment, Dennis Leary turns and gives me like a little head bob. Like, yeah, you too, buddy. Doesn't say anything, but just gives me the head bob like I was there for him. And then I leave. And that's, that's my Stephen Wright story. And again, college can do this. I remember that story very differently. My impression of it was very different. I, for some reason, thought you and him walked together, like you said, but that you asked him about his career and he told you how to be funny. I, I thought it was this whole mentoring in a minute thing where it was like, <laughs> wow, it's just, but like he was supposed to be getting to a show, but he took this time out of this life of celebrity to kind of sit down and, oh, and, and talk wish, with his. I wish. But that's not how it happened. No, and if and I'm, if I exaggerated at that time, I apologize. But no, that's not how it happened. I might just be remembering it wrong. I'm not claiming you're a liar. I also <laughs> didn't know the Dennis Leary part, which I find hilarious because yes, Dennis Leary was a hometown hero, yeah. and a rock star. He was one of these comedians who really wanted to be a rock star. Yeah, you get that. And I think impression. his response. I feel like his ears honed in on it was great to meet you. You hadn't even interacted him. He turns around and says, "Thanks, pal," or whatever. Yeah, well, he he did a little you know chin up, like little head bob. Uh, a, a hello and see you later without saying anything. Would you claim that to be a, and this is a segue in a week one, an asshole-like thing to do? That's Probably a bit not. of an asshole move. I'd say so, sure. Right? That was his persona. And, and I think to get into this album, so this comedy album by Dennis Leary, where it is sort of this rock star level stardom for him, it it, 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 um, it starts off with a song. And this is what I knew from the album, yeah. I think. Uh, before I had the album. There's a lot on this album that, you know, as comedians, one thing I think in watching comedians, like you said you did in the 80s and like I did as well, if you had their albums is you would hear those bits. You would get the album, you'd be like, oh, I've heard this joke before because when they're on a talk show, yeah. they're going to do the bit. Or if you go see them live, like I saw Stephen Wright when I was in 11th grade and half of the act was that I have a Pony mm. album, which is the album I have, and the other half was new. But half of it was there and that was like, that blew my mind. Because I think I always had the idea that they did it once, and then it's just you keep coming up with new material. Right. I never thought, oh, you just do the same material. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff in this album that I think I had heard before. But this opening track, Dennis Leary has this song, Asshole, um, which is sort of this jaunty sort of dirge. Those words don't go well together. It's just a pop song about being an asshole. And I knew the song, and I think people got to know Dennis Leary from the song because it was on the radio. Do you remember the song being on the radio? I don't remember hearing it on the radio, but I, I remember seeing the music video. Oh, okay. Did they bleep it? Because on the radio, they would bleep <laughs> the title every time you said it, which is I, weird. I think they did until after 10 p.m. Maybe, you know, you could hear it without okay. something to that effect, but I, I don't remember for sure. I mean, it was easy to to tell what he was saying. Did you like this song? I, I do like this song. Like, I think it's a fine comedy bit. It's a nice song, too. It's got a good melody. He's a good singer. <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, and this was kind of a good blend. You, know, you said you didn't have comedy albums. Growing up, I had a lot of comedy albums. And something that I used to do is I basically air guitared to these albums. Like, I, I would lip sync in my room 
comedy albums and comedy acts or I'd go down to our basement we had a refurnished basement and I would put an act on TV that I had taped and my sister had this big ballet mirror so I'd stand in front of that and I would perform and I'd try out all the gestures and, and the motions because I guess I did want to be a stand-up comic and I, I don't I you know I, I don't know I don't know because I, I only pursued it a little once and it wasn't like a career but I loved the acts I loved pretending I just like the feel of telling jokes maybe and this opening song, this asshole song, that's it's this thing I would pretend that I wrote, you know, and I would pretend to perform it with this accompaniment, someone on the guitar, you know. But I mean, what 16-year-old kid <laughs> would compose a song about these things, you know? I, I, I don't know. I just, I thought it was edgy. I thought it was a song. I thought it's what comedy is. But um, I don't know. I, I, I think I really enjoyed it. And I think there's that part at the end mm-hmm. where he does the rant, you know, the you know what I'm going to do bit. Which, that's his bit. And it's right there in the song. And I think at the time, I liked rants. I liked Dennis Miller, sadly, at the time. Yeah. I liked Dennis Miller. I liked comedians who could go on a rant. I'd never heard them like his, but I'd heard versions of them. And, and I don't know. I, I think that kind of plays well in the song, I think. I don't know if this made it onto this episode, but it's almost like that, that Billy Ocean crescendo uh, of the song where, where it just keeps building and building and building. And then finally, it ends with him uh, again proclaiming that he's an asshole. And it's a recorded bit. It's recorded as a song. Yeah. So it works as a song. I like that. Comedians were doing a lot of rock songs in the 90s. I don't know what the attraction is necessarily. Like Sam Kinison and Andrew Dice Clay and, and Eddie Murphy, you know, they all had songs. And I think yeah. they all took it kind of seriously. I think they thought they were like rock stars, like the Rolling Stones or the Aerosmith of the time. And this song doesn't necessarily have that. Like, it's a goofy song, but he has that act. He has that macho-ness. And I think when we segue out of the song, which is a funny song, and, and we can understand it because it's three minutes, we know how a song works. The As the album starts, again, it's a recording of his performance. And so the first, so the second track of the album, when the, the bit actually starts, it's, it's a section called Drugs. And it is too amped up, right from the start yeah like he's just too much i thought he's like I, he's really angry and he's really yelling and he's really just swearing and i i had trouble with this from the start I, I i don't remember as a kid i think i thought this was comedy but i just it's too much i kept track of how many times he says okay and he says it 29 times on the album oh he does which makes me the more obsessive one to have counted it <laughs> I don't even know if that sounds when like a lot, you, but that's when like did a you stinger. Start counting? Like that. When did you go back? Like, did you hit a point where you're like, he keeps saying, okay, I'm going to start this over and start counting it? Well, I, I didn't know that he said it. I had listened to it when I decided we were going to talk about the album. I thought, I got to listen to it again. I thought, well, I'll just do this this time. Because I was curious because he has some gimmicks. Yeah. You know, he has some things that he does. That's one, you know, he, he does a ton of the, remember this, remember that, you know, to the audience trying to bring them into the act. You know, do you remember your friend who made bongs? Do you remember lewds? Do you remember this, that, you know, he just, he wants to make it inclusive. So he constantly does that. But he also has like a lot of the, I'll tell you, you know, I'll tell you what I'm going to do things. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's this weird, you can already do a Dennis Leary joke by the end of this second track. Like, you know, the setup to it. I don't know. I, did you identify, like, a, you know, a comedian that works is because you can kind of identify with something. Sure. It's funny and you're identifying with them. What's in a section about drugs for a 16-year-old who's never picked up a beer? 
not much, not much of anything. Like, um, and, and it made me realize, cause this is the first time that I've actually sat and listened to this album from beginning to end as an album. Like I've, I've heard bits here and there. And, and again, the way I intake intook uh, comedy growing up was in, you know, short, short attention span theater. So there'd be comedy bits, little bits here and his commercials and that sort of thing. And I realized that that's pretty much all I can take of Dennis Leary <laughs> is like a 30 second to a one minute clip. On TV though, correct? On TV. I wonder if part of it is the performance. Like there are bits on this album where he's he's doing something physical or he's making a sound so it doesn't mm. translate. I wonder if seeing him and seeing the actual embodiment of this ridiculous masculine whatever if that makes a difference like i I do hear what you're saying like snippets are good like he has he has some funny jokes in this like i like some of his more surreal jokes i like the nick nyquil bit i like the bell bottom bit you know these surreal sort of jaunts that sound like his they sound like here's someone who wrote these jokes so much of it just feels like he's really trying to identify himself you know he really needs to be attached to the 70s he name drops a lot of people who he thinks is cool so you think of him in that category like he makes a point and i guess we all do this but he makes a point of saying things like john belushi Jimi hendrix martin scorsese john lennon like he puts all those in those acts so that he's in their group like he wants to be this tough guy and going out of the drugs bit the next section is called rehab and i just going into that that whole section He's an angry man who finds therapy soft, right? you know? And that was, it was weird to hear that. Like, I get it again. I, 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 I get the angle, but it's like, that's a pretty conservative angle. You know, that's the kind of angle that like Republicans now lash out at younger liberal minded millennials, call them snowflakes and stuff like that. But that attitude of, we don't need fucking rehab. We don't need to say we're sorry, blah, blah, blah. That's like the 90s cool guy act, you know, like he's yeah. telling it like it is. And I don't know, do you think he is a liberal comedian? Do you think he's a conservative comedian? Do you get a sense of his stance um, there? I, I mean, I guess if you were to label the stance in this album, I, I see it more like you're saying, like a conservative, tough guy, you know, eating my red meat raw um, and beat and beating my kids. Um, and the that that's like that was one of the bits in this album that uh I don't have it word for word, but it was something like he's looking forward to having kids so he can beat them. If is that right? I mean that That's a bit in there. It's like that's the thing, like I get it's a character, I'm gonna right. assume. I don't know. You don't have to assume when you're watching a comedian, you take it for what it is. But I don't know. I in the 90s, when I was listening to this, I just thought, this is anger. This is so great. He's ranting. I love mm-hmm. wordplay, but now it's it's wordplay with purpose. It's so odd that that would be appealing to me because I look at it now and, yeah, I'm thinking, oh, this is a character. I don't know if it is, but it doesn't have the same pull. You know, it feels now like this is, and I don't know if it's, the jokes themselves, the comedian himself, or if it's that I'm looking in, at it in this era where there is a lot of attacking. I'm going both ways, but now that I'm old enough, and maybe this is something that just started in the last 15 years, but now that when someone is a tough, tough, hardcore, spoiled, white conservative, they can lump liberals together because of their feelings, because of their 
caring and concern in their talks with parents and to lump it together like it's a weakness. Yeah. And it's like, I could have learned that from this fucking album. I don't have that thought. And I don't think I necessarily saw that. Like, I, I get some, I get what he's saying about celebrity. And I like that. And, you know, like how people can do horrible things and just be on People Magazine and say you're sorry. Like, I like that observation. I think that's a good observation, you know, and you're a hero for saying it. But it's, I just, something about his personality played differently now. And again, maybe it's me and how I'm hearing it. Because... I don't know, again, a 16-year-old, what are they getting out of this? Yeah, I, There are so many references to the fucking 70s, I just don't <laughs> get it. Yeah, I definitely think it's about who we are now listening to this. I think back then, um, for me, again, just in the snippets, it was that dangerous comedian, that, that edgy, different-sounding guy that I was drawn to. I don't even know if I was putting together what he was saying necessarily – but just <laughs> well, how he was saying it, like it a... and the confidence he had mm-hmm. um, was something I was drawn yeah, to. I guess that's there. Um, I guess that's there. He's a confident leather jacket because he does. He actually says, have you seen that Stairmaster or something? Like he does typical schlocky right. <laughs> 80s jokes. How about the Stairmaster? And I find that joke funny. It's an obvious joke. I go up, I go down, blah, 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 whatever. You know, how about I have a chair, Master? It's like I, these are jokes I could have written. So I'm sure I got those. Yeah. But it's now it's like these little jokes that are, are are schlocky, hack, funny jokes coming out of this angry <laughs> bustle of just ah, I just could not stand this the the amped up, coked up screaming yeah, all the, the screaming time. Screaming and the fucking and the yelling all the, the time. And the noises he made. I couldn't I right? mean again, maybe that's what, been Tim Allen. That, yeah, compete. that's exactly what I thought. It's like this is like just the the cooler version of Tim Allen in a way, because He's just sucking on his cigarette and making these weird noises. And anytime he makes a reference to a machine, he makes that machine's noise. Um, And like you were saying before, maybe that is different if you're actually seeing it. Maybe there was something to it. But but on the album, just listen to it. It's like a third of this is just gibberish, just noise. I do wonder if there is something about seeing it. Would that like I didn't go? I've seen the doc, the special that this album is from, or the performance. It's a much longer special. I've seen that once. I have the book of it. Like he published the whole piece. Like I it saw was a one man show. What did? Well, how, how does it read? Because I was trying to think about this. I don't think it would read well. Some of it reads. I mean, does it? Again, I haven't I haven't read it in years, but. It's a longer show. It looks like, and it's set up like, you know, like a one-person monologue. Mm-hmm. So you're not, I mean, they're in parentheses, it's like, make sucking sounds on cigarette, <laughs> gasps, grunts, like those things are in there. Okay. But there are thoughts that are, or, that's the thing, there are thoughts in it that are organized. There's a piece at the end that's not on this tape that goes like two minutes without a, a laugh. It's just very, like the whole joke, I think, is there is this long, drawn out, I don't even remember what it's about, story that's sad or whatever, and then the punchline is the joke. Uh-huh. You know, there's a punchline that makes that whole two minutes funny that you wasted it. But it does read, like in a different persona, it reads interestingly. Hmm. It does read, it does come off. And it is verbatim. That's the thing. Like I've, I do remember seeing him on talk shows. I do remember seeing him on, 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 uh, comedy specials and he would do he would slide this in there's um paul provenza used to have a comedy show yeah. on the comedy on comedy central what was that called was it uh 
Talking to oh, Paul. Um, no, but it's something like that. Stand up, sit down. Oh, I'm gonna have to look yeah, this up. Stand I'll try up, to put a clip that if I can right. find it. I absolutely love that show because I I I was even aware as a kid like the stand up would do their stand up, but they wouldn't be interviewed, and so I loved watching that they would get interviewed on this show. But in the interviews, he would do his act. Mm. Like in his interviews, he would say lines from this. So it, it, you know, the, the, I think it reads well because they're liftable lines. They go with that persona, but. I don't know. I, I just after you know because the next track after this rehab bit, it's a more drugs section. I think is what it's called, mm-hmm. and I just don't get what he's at the end. Like, what a thirty. He was thirty five when he did this. Thirty five year old. Why is he so angry about REM? Why is he so angry about Bon Jovi? You know, like it's why is that the focus of this angst? And Cause those are the things I got yeah. at 16. I got, because I didn't like REM as a kid. I got that joke as being hilarious, but like he wants to kill Barry Gibb, all these things. Like I, I don't, he's a 35 year old. Yeah. He has a kid. Like what, what that persona, once I got older than it doesn't hold up. Yeah. I had a, I don't think I laughed much, honestly, listening to it. Oh yeah. Last night. Um, it, and I like, the thing is, I like Dennis Leary, um, now, like, um, I didn't watch Rescue Me, but I would, I would watch him. Pro- well, he's not doing that I now, would watch so him promote okay. it. No, but I like, I, I enjoy <laughs> so him. You, you liked his commercials? I, I, no, liked I liked his sound I liked bites? him on the talk shows. I like seeing him with other comedians. Um, like I, I find him to be a fine person. Um, he certainly does a lot. Be a good actor. Yeah, he's a decent actor. He does a lot for the community. He goes back and, and does a lot of charity events in Boston. And so he's one of those. I mean, God forbid he turns out to be a fucking schmuck like most other people are turning out to be. But um, he seems well, like I mean, a, that's unfair. Don't just make. I mean, we we go on what we know. People yeah. still have a right. He, he to seems. Be what they he seems are. like a good guy. And I haven't seen. I don't know that he even does stand up much at all anymore i don't know um, but in 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 his interviews and things i've seen him in um i still enjoy him and he makes me laugh but this did not make me laugh mm-hmm. is he wearing a leather coat every time you see him a leather jacket no i think he's kind of moved on from that so he has probably right because i feel like a lot of people do know him from rescue me i feel like people not from the 90s don't know this album i don't think this album is considered a great album it was great for me and important for me but i don't hear it mentioned and i feel like it was to persona like he just wanted to be seen because he is he's an endearing guy like i've seen him do jokes about his kids he has some routine about this darth vader bank that makes all this noise when you put money in it and it's funny and similar to like if you're like Ad- ranting about the bank is he screaming about the bank well that's that's the thing it's similar to like i don't know if you listen if you're ever a fan of andrew dice clay or if you know him at least mm-hmm. um but like his stand-up now it's kind of like they're doing these, like, he has a whole bit about just going to Staples and buying, like, a paper cutter or a staple or something. And it's funny. And they're simple <laughs> it jokes. sounds like it would be. And I don't know if what's funny is that fall from grace where it's like, here's the angry man or the, you know, because Andrew Dice Clay will say that that was a character. It is a character. And I'll believe that. Right. Like, I actually find him endearing to listen to. Sure. But I don't, I also wasn't really caught up in the fervor that was him. But with Dennis Lears, it is kind of funny that this guy's holding a cigarette and wandering around the stage ranting about a Darth Vader bank. <laughs> But yeah. it's with the same energy it is. <laughs> and the same anger. So it's like, can you just plug in topics to this persona? I think he, 
he wanted to be this prop. I think there are people who are genuinely angry and it works. People who are genuinely tough guys and it works. I think the comparison a lot of people claim he stole his act from is is Bill Hicks. Do you know Bill Hicks, the comedian? I know of Bill Hicks. I don't know a lot of, of his history. I, I mean, I know a lot, a lot of his act just in later years. He had like, he was a comedian, I think similar to like George Carlin or Richard Pryor, where he didn't have a lot of clean material. So <laughs> if you see him on TV, you kind of see the same bits over yeah. and over again. Like he has a bit about the Beatles that I would see, but he, he was a funny, genuinely angry man. You know, yeah. he was angry. And a lot of people claim that Dennis Leary, because I guess he and Dennis Leary, I think were friends or at least co, you know, co-workers on the comedy circuit or whatever. And a lot of people say yeah. he stole his act that when No Cure for Cancer I've came out, that. there are, yeah, there are actual jokes there. And so again, this is all in retrospect. I didn't know Bill Hicks. I was, I mean, I knew who he was, but yeah, I wasn't a fan of him. So my fandom was with Dennis Leary. I mean, Louis C.K., if you want to talk about disgusting people mm. claims that the song asshole was stolen from him. I mean, there's these claims <laughs> that he's putting this persona together and, and I like Dennis Leary and all, but yeah, this album makes me think it, maybe he's not stealing it, but he is building a persona that might not be him. And yeah. the segment that makes me think about that. And this maybe is why I'm so was attracted to this album is after the more drugs, but there's the next track is called smoke. And it's all about cigarettes, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, I, I get that because not for everyone, but for me, that started out because I, when I used to smoke, that started out as a prop. It became more. And I would like to take four minutes now to, to praise smoking. But before I do, I will say like, I get, like, I get why it was that this is why I'm saying seeing him do the act is different from hearing the album is there is something, I mean, I'm holding my hands like it right now. Yeah. I'm making the gesture right now. There's a powerful aspect to this prop, you know, and I I was never anti-smoking. I'm definitely not now. I think the world attacks smoking and I don't think that's right. But, you know, I was quietly blasé about it in high school. I think I may have had briefly taken a stand against it freshman year, but by senior year, I took it up, you know, sort of out of the blue, but sort of just because I saw it, you know, and it looked interesting. It's a great angry guy prop. Yeah. And sort of a badge because, you know, you make this choice to pick up this thing that you're preached about being poison, you know, it's, it, whatever. Plus it's on fire. It's dramatic. And, and it also really helps cope with things. So it's got its uses and important uses, but it also has a persona. Like, do you remember when I started smoking? We were friends. We were three friends for three years when I started. Yeah, no, I do. You actually, I, I, I kind of just remember the moment. I feel like it was in front of Six Arlington or something like that. And you had just come back from a movie that uh, had a lot of smoking in it. I can't remember. It was it She's the One. She's the, She's one. the one. A horrible movie called She's the One. It was so bad. And we were in the middle of a conversation and then you just pulled out a pack of cigarettes and, and lit up. And it, it was something you hadn't done in the three years I had known you. And it was just like a decision you made that you're suddenly going to start smoking. And it, it just it floored me because, I mean, I, I don't smoke and – I would imagine anyone who hadn't smoked up to that age would realize this probably isn't something I need to put in my lungs, but you made that choice. Well, and I think it's a fine choice. Also, I think I made the choice to reveal it to you that way because I didn't want, like, I didn't <laughs> want it to be like, oh, I'm smoking now. Like, because I felt <laughs> that, like, they're going to think I'm phony, but also I wanted people to know because there is something to it. Yeah. And there is a group mentality to it. And, there, you know, there's social aspects to it. And that's the thing, like, in the spit, like, I get his anger against non-smokers. He has a whole bit about the encroachment on 
smokers' rights. And I know it's a it's a gray area. I get it, and it's been long enough. And that's something where it's like that's also something that doesn't work as a bit anymore because it's been so long. Like you, there are people who don't remember when you could smoke in a bar. There are people who don't remember when you could smoke on a plane. Yeah. There are things in these bits that have just not aged because of how times have shifted. But I get the attraction. And even before I smoked the attraction of that gesture of that prop, my hands will still hold that position when I talk, you know, and I haven't, I haven't smoked since like 2012, I guess. And I, and I miss it and I love it. And I think it's great. So I get that. And that's why I think seeing him on stage was probably more of a performance because of that. Yeah. And the other thing about it too, that might be why this disc isn't working for us, um, is that you described it as a one man show, which I always think is, I think of that sort of differently than a stand up routine. Uh, which mm-hmm. I guess they're interchangeable, but to to an extent, I always think of a one man show as more of a performance, and uh, a stand up is slightly different. You, you, I'm not really saying this clearly, but it's like a one man show has has you know you, you it's it seems to be that there might be more of a theme to it. There might be a set that we're not seeing that adds to the story, is adds to what he's saying, um, and it's. And it's an experience, whereas uh, stand-up can just be, you know, at a club eating nachos, you know, and and laughing and enjoying yourself. And so that might be uh, something we're missing from just listening to it and not seeing it. Or it might be the way he's trying to validate the comedy. Because after the smoking segment, there's a section called meat and I think you have to say he's doing a character just to get through it because it's so alpha douchey. (laughs) Like that section about meat, it's just, you know, this guy who's like, I want to eat red meat and I want to do all these horrible things to animals. I want, you know, like all these, you know, it's a character, you know, in the 21st century, I think we have the whiny hipster tries to be sensitive to get laid. But in the nineties, I think we had this. You know, the person who just thought, you know, like, talk big, hunt animals, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, what was I attracted to by this track and this persona and performance? Because it's disgusting. And I think you can frame it in it's a performance piece. It's an examination. But yeah, at the same time, I, now I don't know. You know, I think because it was published as a book, because I was a kid and I thought it was edgy, and because he did it at, a, at the Edinburgh fringe festival i think that was one of the fringe festivals i've always had it in my head like you're saying like this was more of a one-man show there's more to it but this is his stand-up act put together these are bits he worked out in clubs in theaters so it's a stand-up act and i don't i don't know why it like i wish i had found richard Pryor in high school you know i i I wish i had found george carlin not that i'm a huge fan now but at least i wish i had found yeah, I'm glad I found like Richard Lewis, like these comedians who were daring and doing something. And I don't think he was it. I think because he was on MTV, because he had that rock star angle, he was accessible. He was of the time and I could get to him. I didn't have to go back and research, well, what Richard Pryor album do you look at? You know, I didn't have to come to that. Plus, Richard Pryor is dangerous. You know, Richard Pryor is is a dangerous comedian who is actually talking about things that make you uncomfortable. This, I mean, I guess the last track before the songs, this the, the segment called Death, that might be the strongest bit, I feel like. 
Because that's the one time I feel like he's talking honestly. And this was the thing, and some of it's cut from the album. This was the part of the show. You talk about watching me. I think he sits down, and I think his voice calms down, and I think he tells a story. You know, with, with one people shows, I always think of, you know, oh, it's a storytelling. It's almost laughable that way. And I think he gets into some pretty morbid areas here. And on this listen, it's the one time I kind of buy that. You know, he's identifying too hard still with being a New Yorker. You know, it's like, we're a New Yorker where you're always at risk, which, by the way, he's not. He was raised in Massachusetts. But, you know, he's talking about the risks of being there, this thin line of, like, of, of, of survival. And that, you know, sort of got to me. You know, I had never heard anything like that. You know, I'm talking about I wish I had found these daring comedians. I guess when I was in small town Connecticut, not exposed to death but fearing it, I'd never heard a comedian talk about things like that. So... And, you know, you got this guitar kind of burning coming in, you know, this is playing in the background. So that's also like a performance, you know, that that might be why this appealed to me, because it's not the last track. There's a track. It's, suddenly it becomes a song at the end, yeah. the downtrodden song. Like he's talking, the guitar builds and then it, it, it becomes this thing that sort of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he's a rock star. He thinks it's clever, but it's just you're just ranting over guitars. And then and you don't see this on the tape, but I think at the end he falls dead. And the guitarist on stage picks up his cigarette, smokes it, and walks off. So, yeah, there is, like, that performance direction, I guess. And when you look at the title of the show, I get it. But it doesn't... And then there's two forgettable tracks, I think, right after that. I don't know. Did you like the little songs at the end after that? No, not really. I can't even remember how they went. One's kind of like a little Irish folk song, which is funny. And honestly, it's been in my head off and on for 25 years, but I don't know why it's on this album. And then the last song, Voices in My Head, I probably as a kid thought it was a real song. It sounds like it's got like an REM guitar in it. (laughs) It just sounds like a pop song and it's it's pointless. But, you know, the buildup of this album, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm happy that it got me to college, but I just, it didn't age well. So I can say, I feel like we're both there on that. Do you think for you, there was some power of suggestion with your teacher who presented uh, the article with Dennis Leary in it? And suddenly Dennis Leary is this important figure and you uh, might have had that sort of thrust upon you? Wouldn't it be fucked up if that's true? I don't know. I mean, I'm, what prompted him to think Tim likes Dennis Leary? That's why at the beginning I was, and when we were putting this together, I was confused to when the album came out. Because, yeah, yeah, if this article about Dennis Leary got me to want to go to Emerson, I can't imagine Time Magazine would have covered him before the album. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe it was the kind of thing where it was handed to me. You know, it was has it an article from a respectable Time Magazine douchebag Joel Stein writes for Time Magazine, but still, Time Magazine <laughs> was shoved in my hands as a way out of town. Go to college. He went to this college, so maybe in some sort of way of wanting to, yeah, I think he just said this, wanting to identify with that because that was going to be my ticket out. I was like, okay, now now college is decided. I got to get this cassette so I can bring it to college so people know I'm into them. Maybe. maybe. I mean, maybe I'm that blank of a canvas. Jesus Christ. Uh. That I'm that moldable that I can that I can adapt and latch on to something because I used to like the album I used to listen to it a lot. We're, we're all kind of uh, moldable at that age, you know. We're looking to we're trying to make our own decisions, but we're certainly being guided by the world around us, influences, teachers we respect, that sort of thing. 
but it just seems like I liked it for the reasons that I don't like it now, or I was doing it. Like I was trying to find a persona. I'm the kid who likes Dennis Leary. It was like the Sex Pistols album I brought to college that I got from BMG. I like the Sex Pistols. No, you don't. I mean, I do, but you don't know anything about them. You just have the album there. I remember playing that in art because in you know in dorms you would leave your door open. Your at least I think. I did anyways, you know, your first couple weeks, you're just desperate to meet anyone. I think we've talked about this on the show before. And so you play stuff in the stereo that you think is going to maybe get people's attention. It may not be stuff you like. And that was the Sex Pistols. I had two people pop in. It's like, oh, it's my Johnny Ron. We have talked about this before because I remember saying that sentence. And it's true. You want to identify with that. And maybe this was the comedian, which is weird, though, because I was putting so much energy into buying Boku so I could identify with Richard Lewis. Like I had that comedian. So I don't know what it is with fucking Dennis Leary. Like, why didn't you have this tape? Why weren't you interested enough in him? I guess you didn't have comedy albums, but I, I'm sorry if I missed it. What he, Was he just another comedian to you, not with this impact? Uh, yeah, he was just another comedian. Um, you, you, Did it mean anything when he nodded at you? <laughs> just that I had no interest in, in speaking to him. Oh. Uh, you know, that didn't didn't mean a thing. Um yeah, no, he was just another comedian. The album uh, was a staple of our dorm room, but not something we really listened to, and not that I remember listening that often, but it was there. But you remember it as – so was the cassette just out, or was it the book? Like, what – What? because it's a very um, memorable yeah, colors and pictures and I think the cassette and the everything. book. I think you had the book. Yeah, you had the book. I remember the, uh, the back cover um, where he's, like, sitting on the floor, and it's a low-angle – uh, picture of him i think was in it's either on the back cover of the book or maybe it's on the cd um but yeah like i remember i remember dennis leary being a part of of our college years but i don't remember listening to dennis leary does that make sense it does because like he was like he was a prop he was kind of a prop for us it's like we we, we were uh stand-up comedian fans of of all shapes and sizes including the angry ones It'd be interesting to uh, to edit that album down to just the actual jokes, setups and jokes, take out the repetitiveness, take out the okays, take out the sound effects, see how long the album actually is. And also see, is it a comedy album? Because maybe it is a performance piece. Yeah. Like me, I kind of want to watch this special only to see what it is to see him because he probably has some sincerity, right? Yeah. He probably has some 90s hair too, but he probably has some... And he's certainly, yeah, and he's certainly engaging. Like, you know, like I said, I really enjoy him on all of his like little interviews and, and specials and things. Um, he's an engaging personality and I'm sure he was in the in this stand-up special. Do you think it, that Dennis Leary considers himself a comedian or was it just the it was like, like when I, you know, like with me, with my fucking playwriting, so go off to college, he was in England he wrote a performance show. He was a comedian in England. He wrote a show, got into this festival. So that was the one man show. And that got him to his fame. Like, do you think he intended this? Because again, he's a, he's a good actor. He's good in Suicide Kings. He's good on Rescue Me. He was good on that show, The Job. Yeah, I've liked him in a lot of the Judgment Night. Kind of a fun, well, he's in Judgment Night. <laughs> I actually haven't seen Judgment Night. I'm thinking of him in Demolition Man, where he is just doing his routine. <laughs> Where he's telling you what he, he wants to eat a cheeseburger and he wants to do this. Yeah, he's going to tell you. And then he does. Even in the future, I'm going to tell you. Uh, I don't think I'll ever. I'm not going to watch this. And I don't think I'll ever listen to this album again. I have no reason to listen to it again. No. No. Sorry to make you listen to it this time. Hey, that's all right. It's what we do here at 20th Century Popcast. We go back and we listen to things that we 
didn't need to hear again. Oh, and if I wanted to go back to maybe listen to other times that's happened, how would I do that? Well, you could go to 20popcast.com where you can find all of our old programs, all of our old episodes and go back and our old time radio programs. <laughs> listen. That's true. You can uh, you can you can see the most recent or see that the most recent episode is streaming and then listen to it. Find past episodes. You can subscribe to us um, if, if you if you use Apple, if you use Stitcher, if you use all these sorts of Android devices. You can find links to subscribe to the show there. Um, you can follow us. I think there's links there to follow us on uh, Twitter. I'm at Subcultist. And I am at R.H. Canning. And you're at a glass of water, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to go on. You usually have a lot more there, so I took a sip. Sorry well, I'm, about I'm, that. I'm learning that people don't really like the end of the show, so I'm trying to get, kind of compact <laughs> really? that. Well, I mean, people give up, I probably. Right? Right. But yeah, check out the website. That's got um, some information. But what about you? You've got some things online that are worth mentioning. I just saw but did not yet read the most recent post for your uh, blog. Yes, I have got my mixtape blog where I'm going back and, li- and uh, listening to and then writing about my old mixtapes. And I just posted a recent one about my all Harry Connick Jr. mixtape. Hey, that's relevant. What's the name of this website? Yeah, it's uh, superultramegamix.wordpress.com. Superultramegamix.wordpress.com? That's it. And I'm thinking of adding Sister Studio in there as well. I, I can't. That's cruel. I can't do that right now. Uh, so yes, check that out. Check out My Exaggerated Life. Is that also... Uh, that's that, still out that there. Correct? Yeah, you can look at old cartoons. I haven't posted anything new in a while, and I apologize if anyone out there is a fan. Uh, but that's there too. Um, exaggeratedlife.wordpress.com So that's a lot of plugs. People love plugs. What was I saying? People want to hear more plugs. Yeah. Um, check out google.com. It's a good way of finding things. And also uh, Petco. Uh, dot co it's the british pet food company all right that's it that's our show thanks for listening um why don't you say something as a catchphrase and that'll be the last thing that we say keep on going y'all <laughs> hmm. no i'm just gonna really try and say the most bland stupid thing i can think of until we come up with something better and then i'm gonna say success say y'all is that how you say it like i've every now and then a twang can come out of somebody that can happen um that was a that was my natural y'all that's yeah. a, that's an oneida y'all really that's an oneida y'all sure how 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 into the mid new york is oneida uh, we're right there in the center the, the hicks part of new york would you say yeah there's plenty of hicks around there there's actually a hicksville really i use it yeah I in think new so. york that's where people wow yeah really <laughs> That's a cruel joke. Do you think that it was to attract more Hicks? Or do you think that was someone who got out of there naming it and it's just stuck? That's too bad. I use that word too much, but that's too bad. I would be using it all the time if I lived <laughs> next door to Hicksville in Smartsburg or whatever town is next to it. Oh, Nida.